Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to another Porsche Cooled podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Bath. In a minute, we're going to chat with Steve uh, through Zoom as usual. Uh, as some of you guys know, uh, Steve and I both are in different locations. I was in London. I've just flown to Bahrain, but I'm going to chat about that when I get Steve uh, connected through Zoom. And Steve is in Sydney, Australia. Um, Steve owns a GT3 997, and I own a 997 Carrera. Um, like I said, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that story, but just for new listeners, and I know we're getting a lot of new listeners at the moment, so I just should remember to say that at the beginning. We also have a <coughs> Instagram, Porsche Cooled, Porsche Cooled, one word. Check that out. Uh, that's just uh, enjoying Porsches, all types of Porsches, water and air-cooled um, Got a strong following over there on Instagram, so if you haven't uh, seen our Instagram, Porsche Cooled, go over there and um, give us a follow, say hello on one of the posts, say that you've come from the podcast, I just, it'd be great if you could do that. Um, but I think I'll stop talking, I think what we'll do is we'll get uh, we'll get Steve, I'll get Steve hooked up through Zoom, um, hopefully the audio quality is, uh, is better than it was on the last podcast, I know there was some issues on that last podcast. Um, but when I get Steve on the line, we can chat about all those things. So just give me a second and we'll get Steve uh, on Zoom from Sydney, Australia. Okay, we're back. We're live via, via, depends what country you come from, Zoom. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, mate. How you going? I'm well. Via? I'm really? well. Yep. Isn't it via okay. or via? Isn't that how you do it? Don't know. Bath and bath. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, right or bath. not. Um, okay, so welcome back, everyone. Steve, what's been happening? It's Wednesday. Uh, what have you been doing? Yeah, not much. Bit of a quiet one. I went for a quick drive to see my parents today, um, which is always a nice-ish drive. In the GT3? Um, in the GT3. Um, bit of a weird story, but um, Walter, my dog, my mini schnauzer, Walter, named after Walter Rawl, um, has been unwell. See, so everyone... To the vet. Everyone just note that Steve's passion goes deep. His dog is named after Walter Roll. Now, if you because he's German, huh? Enthusiast, yeah. a true enthusiast. Um, you're like this. Walter's had an upset stomach. Blah blah blah. Took him to the vet. Vet said, um, just feed him um, rice and chicken, steamed rice and chicken, which which we did. <laughs> Everyone away. keeps asking me if it's. Oh, Asking me whether it's Chinese chicken rice, which is hilarious. Gourmet, gourmet um, chicken for your for your dog. He, yeah, he deserves but, it. Um, he deserves it. He's a good dog, but mate, he keeps farting chicken rice, and it's disgusting. Oh, really? Great, <laughs> it stinks. Great. So I was worried that he'd be um, doing his thing in the um, in the car as I was driving him to mum and dad's for a visit. <laughs> so the GT3 would have a nice odor for a few weeks. Goes yeah, into that nice too. fabric, the nice 911R insert seats. Hey, we should just talk about exactly. that because we didn't, I don't think we spoke about that in the last episode, did we? About your new seat inserts? Uh, I thought we did, but we maybe did? not. Okay, we? maybe I forgot. Yeah, we did because um, remember I was worried that it was completely sort of, um, I think I used the words Porsche tragic. And oh, that's right. You, you posted it on yeah, that's uh, right. your Instagram thing? We did, we did talk about it. Um, I want you to talk about that photo that you, I want to talk, you to talk about that other photo you sent me of the 911R as well with that extinguisher. You should talk about that, oh, yeah. how you get that, we yeah, get yeah. that. Before we get into that, though, let me just, let me just begin the podcast and let me just begin with, uh, you know, my travels, I guess, because I want to share this story. And I thought, I thought it was appropriate, Steve, because last week we finished mm. on um, 
We finished on COVID. So, you know, in the theme of COVID and the theme of the pandemic, I thought we'd start the conversation. <laughs> this, this is the COVID call part of your, <laughs> your podcast. <laughs> I thought we'd start the Porsche chat on COVID, but it's kind of related. Um, so uh-huh. today's Wednesday morning. Um, on Saturday morning, um, Steve knows this, so Steve will just be listening in the background because he's heard this story before. But on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. we flew out of London. Um, yes, we do fly during this period. We're probably crazy. I know a lot of people are saying, don't fly. What are you, why are you flying? But it, it's, I thought it was going to be as it was, Steve, on the way when we came from Bahrain a couple of months ago. Um, there's a lot more people flying. Um, and the problem mm. was our flight was actually um, cancelled. There's two flights to Bahrain on Gulf Air, one in the morning and one in the evening. Um, and obviously the evening flight is a better one because, you know, you, you leave late and you come in early in the morning. So mm. this time we had to catch the day flight because the night flight was cancelled and the plane was full. Um, and usually they put a separate per, you know, space next to you. I had to actually ask for the space. A lot of people were upset because they didn't actually have a spare seat, which I would have been as well. Isn't but that like, some airline protocol? <clears throat> I thought it was. Are they allowed but to do that? It's protocol yeah. to the point if the plane's not full, they can do it, but it's not. Oh, okay. So the woman in front of us complained um, and she got mm. moved. There were a couple of empty rows here and there, but they were blaming the ground staff that Gulf Air stipulates that it has to be a seat, but they're saying the ground staff moved people around because the flight was full. Um, right. But I, I requested it and we got ours, but the guy did say it's very full. I'm not sure if I can give you a spare seat. So, it's but a bit disconcerting. A little bit, a little bit. And there was a lot of transit passengers on our flight, which were um, <clears throat> when you get off the plane. So basically, I just want to talk about how you about the situation, because I was listening to Spike's Car Radio and I'm behind on Spike's Car Radio. You know, that's one of my favorite podcasts. And I think it's a lot of people that too. enjoy Porsche. Yeah, Porsche's is Spike and Zuckerman. And he was talking about the test in L.A. And he was saying how... It was fast, it was a bit uncomfortable and whatever, and they, they can do it in their car and they just have to cough a couple of times and, and basically um, you swab yourself. You actually do the test yourself. Um, mm. In Bahrain, they don't let you do the test yourself. So when you arrive at the airport, you have to get a COVID test. Uh, and this COVID test is not... I guess I didn't think it was going to be that uncomfortable. I know they swab your nose, but in my head it was like, oh, they just put a little cotton bud up your nose and they swab it. No, that's not what happens. Um, they have this thing which is about this long, Steve, and it's flexible. So do you and feel you a tickle you, in the Yeah, so eventually when you get to the testing thing, I mean, it delayed our exit from the airport by about 45 minutes because you can't get off the plane until all the transit passengers get off because they have to go to a different area because they don't get tested. And then the people exiting Bahrain, you have to get tested. Uh, we're citizens of, we're residents of Bahrain, so... It doesn't make it any faster. You still have to just wait. Mm. Um, but you do it on an app and you pay for it. It's a test. It's quite expensive. Uh, it's 60 dinner per person for two tests. You have to get a test when you mm. enter and then a test 10 days after. Anyway, the test is a stick. And you sit in the seat. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's just a stick. <laughs> then there's an Arab woman. I had an Arab woman. And they put this stick. You put your head back. Oh, my God. I have never, and I don't know if I'm weak. I know I've got a weak stomach in general. Like, I'll reach at the side of any kind of shit on the ground or whatever. But honestly, <laughs> seriously, mate, they put this stick. It <laughs> goes down your nose and it curls and goes back. It doesn't go into your brain, luckily. But it goes into your throat. And my eyes just started watering. 
and she had it in there for that long. I had to say, can you can you pull it out now? Can please can you pull it out now? Like it was actually getting to the point where it was. I don't know. I've never. I can't even explain the feeling. It, it, I found it that bad. Now maybe I'm just weak, but honestly. <laughs> And we have to do this test again, Steve, in, in 10 days' time. We have to do this test in, in 10 days. So, you know, next Wednesday we have to do another test. You know, that's how it works. So basically our test was negative. It comes back like 10 hours later. We had it the next morning. The test came back negative. And then we do another one to make sure we're still negative after the 10-day um, incubation-type period. But, man, and then I listened to Spike Thurston's one yesterday. And it's like, man, that's easy. Please give me that test where you just swab the back of your throat and you know, swab your nose yourself. You've been tested before, haven't you? Is that the first time you got the long stick? That's the first time I've been tested. Oh, I thought you'd been tested before. Okay, see, I haven't um, here as well. Um, So I've just heard all the stories. We were supposed to go and we didn't go. Right. (laughs) Um, Well, when they turn up with the long stick on whenever it is, um, six days from now, um, just get your scissors out and cut the stick. Yeah, and as Steve knows, we know we just had a knock at the door then, and it was the wrong, <laughs> like, and it was the Ministry of Health. So two two women, two Arab women, greet me in full hazmat type suits with masks, coming, and they've with got their stick. little, they've, and they've got their, and they've got their thirty centimeter tube, two thirty centimeter tubes with two sticks in it, and it's like, oh my god, I'm not doing that test again. I'm thinking, why are they giving us a test? We're negative, and it was the wrong, mm. it was our address, but the wrong wrong name and wrong phone number. So. You know, I mean, the one thing I have to say about Bahrain, it's very, very organized. And um, mm. <clears throat> it sounds like the one that, uh, that Spike went to in, in LA, LA was quite organized as well, drive in and whatever, and he went there. But it is very yeah. organized. I mean, I guess it's good to get tested and know for sure. I mean, you have caught a very yeah. busy flight from London, from London. London is, you know, cases yesterday were insane. So I think it's all good. Um, anyway, yeah. back in Bahrain, mate. It's good to be back. Uh, it's really nice here. The sun has been shining. I've been to the gym twice. I've been to the uh, swimming pool twice. Um, sounds like I'm on holidays, but I'm not. But it, but it is kind, <laughs> kind of it is kind of refreshing to be back in the sun. Um, but it was really good to be in London, and I have to say that uh, you know London. And people have seen the view before, but I really sometimes don't appreciate the view from that flat. I mean, the flat has got a great view, so it is nice to be there. Uh, when we have mm. a lot of our things there as well. So obviously we have things here and things there and we have things everywhere actually at the moment, but, uh, and also in Sydney. So it's a bit weird living like this, but um, it was good to be back. And it was really good. Yeah, it was really that. good to catch up with Nick. Uh, I know you've spoken to Nick on Instagram, but it was good to catch up with Nick and it was good to Nick to uh, take me out on that drive. Um, mm. He offered he that like way. A cool dude. Nice, yeah, he nice is. Work. And he offered that way back in January. And at the, at the time I couldn't because we were, we were only in, in London for a short period and then we're coming back to Bahrain. So we said when I came back to, to London, we would catch up, which we did. So that was good. Um, mm-hmm. The good news is I'm not driving the beat up Audi anymore here in in Bahrain, Steve. They took it off me. Don't know why. It finally went up in a ball of flames or yeah, well it should. Lost, lost brakes and went over a cliff. Yeah. So I'm driving a, I'm not driving a 911. I wish I was. Uh, I'm driving a <laughs> Mercedes uh, SUV. But it's still more oh. comfortable than the um, than the Audi. So I'm driving an ML Merc, an old ML Merc, 350 AMG, whatever it is. 350 oh, AMG. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so it's not bad. You've driven one of those before, I think, haven't you? We went around Tassie. Remember when I was talking about driving around Tasmania? Yeah. Um, that was for our pre-honeymoon, like straight after we got married. Um, we went 
for two days um, down to Tassie, and I think I I think I booked just a C class because I previously had booked a shitty Hyundai or whatever, and really sort of rude the fact that I didn't get something decent. So I I got a C class Merc, and then um, my wife really really wanted to kind of upgrade it to a SUV. Merc, because they kind of gave us the chance to. I think we were playing the um, Hey, we're Newlyweds card. Yeah. Um, so they offered use to it. kind of upgrade us. You got to use it when you yeah, can. Yeah, you do. You actually do have to use it when you can. <laughs> it's only once but in I a lifetime. But I regret that. That that Merc SUV was shit. Um, yeah. I reckon a C Class would have been much more fun. Just a rear wheel drive. Well, Natasha, my wife, she said, and hmm. she said you enjoyed the Q7 better, didn't you? And when I first came here, they gave me a Q7 for a couple of months. And I yep. did. And the Q7, I think maybe because it is Audi, it is VW Group, it it yep. was more planted on the road. It felt like a sportier car. I think it, obviously yep. it's a longer car. It's a much. I think it's longer than the ML. Um, but the ML, and I don't. I know some. I know Mercedes AMG TS wouldn't feel like this, and you know AMGs etc. Sure. But but it feels soft. Sure. Like compared to the Q7, it, it feels a bit. You know, it feels a bit soft to me. Exactly. So that uh, I can see you, no one else can see you, but you kind of put your arms out and flip yeah. it around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, that's exactly how I felt in with that rental in um, Tasmania. Like the whole time, I sort of felt like I was on a pogo stick, and I was just I I just don't like that sensation. I'm so yeah. used to in all of my cars sitting with my ass like so low to the ground. So anytime I ride in an SUV, including the Macan. Um, it always feels like um, just way too high and like the centre of gravity is um, too high. Anyway. In, in, in the Middle East, though, it is it is better to be in an SUV. I find it it feels mm. better when you're on the roads here. I think it's because there is, you know, the view that you have, because there is a lot of high-speed roads um, and because people don't yep. indicate, they don't use, use any indication. I think for that respect and people change at the last minute, like they'll, they'll just literally change in front of you, you know, without any warning and yep. no indicator. Yep. So I kind of like being on the road. But then, you know, braking this thing, the brakes to me, it's really hard to modulate the brake pedal. Like yeah. I, if I put it too hard, it grabs like crazy and I feel like we're going to go through the windscreen. But then if you do it too mm-hmm. slow and you're trying to put that pressure on it, it still doesn't feel like it's going to stop. So I really don't like that. Like the Audi brakes were 100% better. Look, I think a Macan mm. here or a Cayenne would be fantastic. I think a Porsche Macan or a Cayenne here would be fantastic. Obviously better to have a 911. Um, yeah. But I think in the Middle East you need, you'd need an SUV and you'd need your 911. I think you need two cars. If you lived here permanently, I think you would, you know, for a long time, yep. I think you'd plan to have two because I think it works. You yeah, know, the right. weekend you have your 911 and just when you're doing your errands and running around here and during the week it's uh, it's your suv but anyway the merc i mean the merc is still better than the sort of better than the audi in some ways at least it's got no warning lights buzzing at me every time i turn it on the 10 <laughs> warning lights um yeah right all right so back to the podcast we're on the podcast but it's still talking cars but <laughs> back no more covid uh no more um, mercedes-benz we got another review during the week and i know who it was the guy from australia so thank you for doing that and he gave us a good review, and he said it was good because there's it? no ads on the podca- Apple podcast, so I, I kind of <laughs> know who it is. And he's, he's a nice guy. He's, he's been chatting on my channel on YouTube for a while. Um, oh, okay. So I just want to get onto that. You know, this, this podcast, um, we have no sponsors on this podcast. Um, we're very small compared to, the, to most podcasts out there, to established podcasts that have been around for years. Um, in saying that, Steve, you know, our downloads have increased by 40% over the last month. 
Um, and I showed you That's those cool. figures. They're, you know, it's actually more. Over the last two weeks, it's 60% more downloads over the last uh-huh. two weeks. Um, we're constantly in the top 20 on, on what they say is a, how they judge podcasts, which is the Apple podcast charts because Apple has the most downloads. Um, we're in the top uh-huh. 100 and top 20 in the UK. We're in top five in Southeast Asia countries. In Southeast Asia, they like us. And... You know, but it's always Clearly changing. Then. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But, but in, the US, in the US the other day, I think we were 55 or 56. And I think that's probably the highest we've been in the US. And the US has a lot of podcasts. And this is, this is purely, Steve, for automotive podcasts. So, you know, the uh-huh. charts for automotive podcasts. Not for every podcast, uh-huh. just auto- automotive. Um, in Australia, I think the highest we've got was about six. I think I put that on my Instagram story. We got to six in Australia. Um, but in uh-huh. general, it's really good. We, we appreciate the support. Um, the downloads are increasing, you know, dramatically um so obviously you guys are enjoying what we're chatting about which is great um but if you want to help the pod- yeah and about dogs and about covid um you know you enjoy <laughs> that conversation no it's all about porsche uh-huh. um but there's other ways steve as you know that people can support the podcast um and that's through patreon and that's through joining the um the top tier is probably the best tier i mean i price them very very low i think they're very very low um, and I looked at other podcasts that are up on Patreon, and there's a lot. Um, so I uh. didn't didn't want to price it too high. So for $5 US a month, um, you get early access to these episodes, 24-hour early access. Um, you get a shout-out for new members, and you'll get uh, coming soon when we have a few more members on Patreon. Uh, we'll do some live Q&A, Steve, somehow. I'm not sure how to do that yet or where we'd do it through. <laughs> we might do it yeah. through YouTube or... You know, we might do a half an hour of question taking, which which would be interesting. You're up for that, aren't you? I guess so. Um, but it's 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 encouraging. If you join Patreon, Patreon, like I said, it helps us out. It'll help us get some new equipment in the beginning, which we're trying to get a hold of, uh, recording equipment and microphone equipment. Um, so that's that's uh, Porsche Cooled. Uh, we have a new member on Porsche Cooled uh, on Patreon who joined Porsche Cooled exclusive, and that's James from the US. James owns a 991 Carrera and a 996 Carrera, both Carrera two, uh, both Carrera twos. And James's uh, alter ego is auto amateur. So I thank James for joining, um, joining Porsche Cooled. Uh, that was a surprise and and well appreciated. So thank you, James. Go okay, James. Um, and the Porsche Cooled owner stories, um, the one with Nick went really really well. You guys seem to really like the one with Nick, uh, so that's great. Uh, the one with James went up um, yesterday on Tuesday. Uh, so James talks about uh, his first 911, which was a 996 Carrera 4 Cabriolet, which he hates now. I think that's a word to use it. <laughs> you listen to it, Steve. He, he hates it, right? It. Yeah. He, he didn't, didn't sound that keen on it. He didn't like it. And he made the, the point about how the hard top was just a pain in the ass to take on and off. So basically, But that was just, with the benefit of hindsight, though, wasn't it? Didn't yeah. sound like he hated it when he had it. See, I still think cabs are coming back. I still think I'm right. I still think in a, in a year's time, people are going to go, oh, Michael from Porsche Cool was right. The cabs are back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure I agree with that. But. That, that was yesterday. Uh, that's had a lot of downloads so far. So check that out if you haven't already. This podcast I'm talking now is obviously you're listening to this on a Friday, but the podcast, the previous episode was Porsche Cool Stories. The audio wasn't 100% in that episode, so I apologize for that. Um, I probably shouldn't say that because now you guys are going to notice it and you probably wouldn't have noticed it before. But the audio was a little bit had a few issues on James's side. I did fix it as much as I could. Um, but I think it's still okay. It's still listenable. Sometimes Zoom and, you know, there's electrical interference as well and it doesn't always work out. But um, I think I think it's okay, Steve. You think it's okay? 
I think you're being hard on yourself, mate. I think it was completely fine, but yeah. Okay. It's okay. it's just hard over Zoom and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yesterday I was uh, a bit ill, not coronavirus. I was just ill because I didn't sleep the night before. Um, and I woke up yesterday afternoon and Tasha uh, had framed my um, new poster illustration that I purchased. And I got that from Guy Allen in the UK. And I, I kind of forgot about his work. I kind of forgot about his stuff that you could buy. And Nick reminded me of it, of, of him. Mm. Uh, he bought a couple. I think he bought a couple of posters. I think Nick's getting his professionally framed, though. Um, I just went and bought an Ikea frame from Ikea here. Um, I could go to a proper framer and I probably should, but I think when I take this poster back to Sydney, Steve, I'll get it um, I'll get it framed properly. Mm. Um, but just about Guy Allen, if you haven't come across him before, he's based in the UK. Every, every illustration that he does is his illustration. Um, they're signed and numbered, Steve. Most of them, I think, are mm. limited to 200. He doesn't reprint them again. That's it. Once it's done, it's mm-hmm. sold out and then he does another one. Um, he's got two Porsches ones on there at the moment, I think, only two. He's got the 911 and he's got the Mund, the Mund, like my period correct hat. So he's got that mm-hmm. one, which is quite nice, which is a 356. Uh, I bought the 911 one. Uh, mine's number 16 of 200. Yep. Um, and his work, if you're not familiar with Guy, Guy Allen, and this is not an ad, of course, this is just you know a bit of passion thing here talking that we always like to add. He's done posters and illustrations for Porsche, uh, he's also done them for Audi, BMW, and many other companies. Um, I think it's just guyallen.co.uk, the website. I didn't actually write it down, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And he also did the ones for the Peterson uh, Museum in L.A., uh, the Peterson Automotive Museum in L.A. And he did them for that uh, exhibition they had, Steve, on, which would have been a great mm. one to go to, which was called The Porsche Effect, which was on from yeah. 2018 to 2019, which was when Porsche was celebrating the 70th anniversary of the... 9-11, was it? When they had the 70th yep. anniversary celebrations? Yep, yep. Do a search for that on Google, actually. The posters for that Porsche Effect exhibition are really, really good. Like, they're really... They really do some good stuff. I've seen I've seen Guy Allen's work, um, and because it's um, a little bit in line with some of the stuff that I kind of do, I actually agree. Like, I thought um, a lot of his work is actually really um, very nicely crafted. Yeah. Illustrating I- cars and everything is... It's a bit of a funny thing. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of graphics that kind of find its way on T-shirts and everything, but to do it really, um, to kind of get the nuance of it and um, capturing movement and everything with um, vector art is actually not an easy thing to do. Um, Very skillful. It's also the inks that he used. Because he uses like really, obviously that he uses very high quality pigment inks, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And he Mm -hmm. says he uses those inks because it would not fade with age. And it's also the yep. paper, like the paper, the quality of the paper when you feel the poster, it's, it's beautiful. Because I think it's, yep. uh, I wrote it down, what was it, 100% cotton rag paper. And it's got a matte finish. Yeah. So it's a hard and, rag. And yeah. even Tasha, when she unpacked it, I mean, I think she thought I was a bit crazy for buying it. I mean, it's not super cheap, they're 90, <laughs> 90 pounds, right? But it's, it's an artwork. But when you see yeah. it, and I'm looking at it now because I've got it just next to me. Um, and the colours are beautiful and the quality is just amazing. There's another guy on mm. um, Instagram that does illustrations of Porsche. And I'm trying to find his name. And he actually did one of my um, 997. Did you see that when I posted oh, that guy. it? On? I was... Yeah, Craig. He, um, his stay... name's Craig. And it's just a, just, just a sketch. And he's been doing, you know, Magnus Walker's ones. And he did Road to Ren Lines one. And he did one of my 997, uh, which was mm. nice of him. I didn't pay for it. I mean, usually he charges mm. and he just used one of my photos. And I thought that was, that was quite nice. Yep. Did you see it? Different sort of style. Yeah, I did. Um, I saw that he was doing um, 
Oh, you made the big leagues. Um, you're an influencer. I'd noticed that he um, kind of did different sort of Porsche influences. Um, quite a different style, though. Like, it's sort of more hand-done as opposed to um, sort of vector, vector style. I think graphics. he realised I was Porsche cooled and he didn't, because I was through P997.1, I had that image and I think he realised I was Porsche cooled, so he did one for me. I mean, he seems like a nice yeah, guy. Right. I thanked him for it because I know he, they are commissioned yeah, cool. and he does charge people for them. So, But it's completely different to the Guy Allen one. The Guy Allen one is, is really, really special. But like you said, it's not so easy to do these illustrations, is it? It's not, it's not an easy process. It's, I actually um, uh, did some stuff for um, Autohouse back in the day, um, okay. some of their kind of livery. And I, uh, from, so I'm going to get too technical, but I did an illustration of um, a 73 RS and a 997 GT3 RS completely out of vectors. And it took me ages. It was like, I don't know, it was like more than a week's work. Oh, you should show me. <laughs> I'm just sort of sitting there. Do yeah. my car. Do my car. You will have seen it. It's, it's on, it was on the side of their uh, motorsport truck for a very long time. Oh, I can't remember. I'll have to look, yeah. I'll have to anyway. do a search and see if it comes up. Yeah. Um, sort of photorealistic looking. Anyway. Would you buy a Guy Allen Porsche print? I would. I actually I like the Mund one. I like the Mund one. Hmm? Hmm. No. <laughs> I just, I was being smart, that's cool. Because you've got no money. Yeah, pretty much. Because you're about to buy another wooden knob because you already have one and you need another one. Yeah, yeah you just reminded me of a chase job. <laughs> Someone asked me about that during the week, actually. Oh, no, I told James. Did I tell him on the podcast? Maybe I told James on the podcast. I told him he should look at it for the 996. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You for did. the black one, you I did. told him that he should look into it. I'm not sure if he will, but I did actually mention it. That's about it, I think. So back to Porsche Cool Stories. I was going to talk about Porsches celebrating 70th years in the US, but I think I'll, I don't think that's necessary today. Mm-hmm. So back to Porsche Cool Stories. Porsche Cool Stories, as you know, as I say uh, at the beginning of each Porsche Cool Story, and this is not a Porsche Cool Story, but I thought we'd come back today and just talk to Steve uh, a little bit more about about his ownership journey and his story because um, people are interested, Steve. You know, you're you're elusive, and people are interested. You don't post any <laughs> posters, pictures, or images on your Instagram, and you know you're you're part of Porsche Cooled, and and you don't really uh, show people what you're about. Except you do share a lot on um, this, I have to say. Yeah, for me, I do, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, it probably is easiest to just ask me questions and yeah, no, no, we'll go, we'll go through it. it, I think the best, I think why, you know, I, I like that we started doing Porsche Gould stories, and that comes up on a Mm. Tuesday. And as, you know, I want people to know that it's not every Tuesday. It's, it's a lot of work for me to do two podcasts a week, um, in between everything else that's going on. And last week I did struggle with it because I was traveling as well. But I think it's a really good, a really good idea that we had. And like I said, it's not. I'm not going to take. We're not going to take ownership for the idea. I mean, people talk about Porsche stories before. I mean, Porsche has their own videos on YouTube. You know, 911 stories or whatever. But you know, because for them to hit you up, actually. Because yeah, Porsche hit me up. I want Porsche Bahrain to hit me up. If anyone's listening yeah. from Bahrain and has contacts with Porsche here, hit them up and let me give, <laughs> give me a press car and I can do videos on it and podcast about it. But you know, I think the best thing about Porsche Porsche Cool Stories is even though you might own a 997, the same model. Uh, Every 911 means a different thing to everyone. Do you know what I mean? 
Everyone has a different story and that's what Porsche Gould stories are all about. That's basically why we do it. And it also adds to the conversation. It makes our conversation richer. It makes our chat richer because we've got, you know, we don't know everything about every model. We don't, as I said before in the previous episode, Steve, and we agreed with this, we're not experts. We're enthusiasts. We don't always get it right, but we love talking about what we talk about and, and we really enjoy doing this podcast. So that's why we why we keep it up so today i think it's just a lot of the time there's just those interesting little backstories and anecdotes about i don't know sometimes kind of what it means to you or whatever else but often some of the kind of little nuances that you pick up in the experience of driving the car or looking at the car or whatever and it's like oh yeah yeah thought about it like that and yeah kind of agree with that so yeah um, yeah you're right i found that interesting yeah but um everyone's heard my story thousand times over either whether it's on instagram or you or the youtube channel or even drive tribe which i'm actually still a part of drive tribe i'm still on their program i'm still one of their people so i still put the the podcast up on that but um i think we need to hear about more of your story steve so that's why we decided to do this today yeah sure so let's talk about that now let's talk about steve and i think what's interesting in nick's episode and james's episode is that you know where they grew up in uh James grew up in Liverpool and Nick grew up in northern England. Sorry, Nick, I can't remember exactly where I should have written this this down. Uh, I need to do more research before these episodes, but um, (laughs) (laughs) Nick is northern England. But I think it's it's the fact, and it was the same as me, Steve. I lived Mm. in... And I'm not, not when I was, this is when I, from when I was 10, I lived in a place called Wyong in New South Wales, which is a really, not a small town because I used to live in a country town that had less than 2,000 people and it still has around 2,000 people. No one moves in there, just stays the same. And when I was in Wyong, the thing that I used to enjoy, and it was a Sunday afternoon, I used to get on my bike and I used to ride to the Pacific Highway. And this is when the the main, the main way from uh, north, uh, north coast to sydney was through wyong it was on the pacific highway and on sundays a lot of cars used to drive through there nicer cars that i'd never seen Um, and i think that's the first time i saw a porsche is just i used to just sit and watch the cars which is sounds a bit weird now but um that's what i used to do and then you know my first memory i saw an 80s carrera in in the dealership you know what i mean and i saw it there and it was like wow that's that's so cool it was a green one actually it was oak green mm. your favorite color <laughs> and you know with nick and and james it was like the same you know you don't see many porsches in the you know 911s where you live you know it's very rare it's not like there's one everywhere yeah and you were brought up in sydney so you lived in 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 sydney yeah still sort of like suburban. so what was your first memories I, I grew up in sort of like a fairly sort of middle class suburban kind of part of sydney um nowhere kind of posh or anything like that and to be honest um i'm sure i've obviously kind of seen a porsche or a 911 before that but um i actually can't remember the one that sort of sticks mainly in terms of influence is actually um my uncle so i mentioned it previously um my uncle on my mum's side of the family, um, mum and dad's, uh, sorry, mum and my uncle's father um, raised nine kids in Malaysia, had his own sort of um, timber trucking kind of company. Um, so very, very modest um, upbringing for um, my mum uh, with um, nine or eight brothers and sisters. But apparently they got the bug from him in terms of um, this thing for German engineering. Um, Even though he was not a wealthy man, all that sort of stuff, he had this massive appreciation for German cars to the point where he would only buy, like, used 
golf, uh, sorry, not golf, a beetle um, for my grandma and um, he'd save up and kind of buy um, older Mercs. So somehow that kind of got to mum and um, my uncle and my mum actually really has this massive appreciation for cars. She hasn't owned a Porsche, but um, she's, you know, driven Beamers and... It's not too late. Drives. Tell your mum it's not too late. She can still get yeah, one. It's probably not too late. She she actually has a massive appreciation for it because whenever I've bought um, cars and particularly the um, 911s, she's loved them. You know, she just looked at them and um, you can just sort of tell she's kind of got that sort of thing in her where she kind of actually knows what it's about. Um but the first memory of seeing a so, 911, that was your uncle's 911 in what year? My uncle's. So that, I uh, can't remember how old I was. I was probably early 20s. I reckon I would have been driving at the time my WRX. But before um, that, you don't have any, any memory of a 911 that you thought, wow, I, I'm going to get one of those one day? Not, 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 not in the same way that I heard um, Nick and James sort of talking about it. It's not like this moment where I was kind of, you know, eating an ice cream, walking down the street and something <laughs> whizzed past and all that sort of shit. Like, um, Magazines? Not at all. I can't. What about in a magazine? Yeah, I used to, because uh, I used to consume like tons of mag. Like I used to buy, mo- uh, in Australia, it's Wheels and Motor magazine. Yeah. Um, but also I'd, um, I was reading Performance Car, which then sort of turned into Evo and I'd, I'd consume and buy all, like pretty much every mag there was. Um, but I can't really remember it. The first, so the first sort of notable experience with the 911 was my uncle's um, uh, 86 Carrera, the 3.2 Carrera. It was white with a whale tail, which was optional, um, not my favourite thing. Um, it didn't have Fuchs wheels on it. The Fuchs. It had. Um, oh really? Those horrible Simmons, yeah, Simmons wheels, which are oh. an Australian thing. Yeah, they're not nice. Well, Simmons wheels are sort of appreciated in the sort of um, kind of motorsport type crowd, but you just kind of when you look at an old Porsche like that, an old eighties Porsche, you'd sort of hope that it had um, you know basically black um, Fuchs on it, but it didn't have them. And yeah, look, I just remember kind of. Um, my uncle had this sort of habit of, he's a mad kind of car guy, so he was buying a new car every bloody year. You know, he's like 70-something, and I think at the moment so that he's car, still got that, like... Sorry, Steve, that car would have been about 10 years old okay. at the time when you, when you first saw it. So it was an 80s car, and um, you probably saw it in the 90s, mid-90s, right? Uh, yeah, 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 you're right. So yes. it was only about 10 yeah. years old at the time, so it wasn't a very old car. I guess so. I never thought about it like that. I just sort of viewed it as an old car, because to be honest, I didn't really know much about 911s then. Like, um... The influence and the bug came from my uncle, basically, because I was really into cars. Like, you know, I was on, I was, like I said, I was driving a WRX at that point. So, um, you know, I sort of had some reasonable cars given, you know, from, you know, starting at 19, I think. Um, I already kind of tipped every cent that I had into cars, basically. Um, and it was all the influence of um, my uncle and my mum. And then he kind of, he was, he was in Beamers. He, he had, um... Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Some pretty cool old um, E30 Beamers and stuff like that. But um, one day he just kind of rolled up in his, um, you know, new used Porsche. And it was like, oh, man, that's so cool. It sounded great. Yeah. Um, I only drove it, uh, I think I already told you the story, when he um, decided to kind of sell the thing. He traded it for a, a 993. Um, yeah. And I told you that story where he kind of came around and told me to 
kind of take it for a spin and <laughs> I couldn't drive it properly. I couldn't um You didn't like the gearbox, it. right? And it had a G it was G fifty as well, because it was a eighty eight. Yeah, model, but he right? said that there was an issue with it, to be fair to me. Um, oh, okay. I just remember being so excited to kind of jump in and kind of take it for a proper hoon kind of thing. Um, but uh, I was just sort of searching for the gears every time I kind of put the clutch to the floor and then I was trying to find a gear. I couldn't tell what I was, what gear I was in. Right. I was listening to um, something. I was listening to Spike, yeah. Spike's Car Radio and he said the 82 Carrera is a really good one. And I, I read that someone else, everywhere else too. I'm not sure why the 82 Carrera is, uh, not 82 Carrera, 82 Targa. The 82 Targa apparently is, is a good model Targa to buy. Which kind of surprises me because when you buy the Carrera in that same generation, mm. the G series, it's it's the eighty seven to eighty nine model, right? Because of the G fifty gearbox. That's what, again, that's what my uncle always used to sort of say. Because um, when did the SC finish? I don't know. I'm I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not sure. In this. I'm not sure. Is it eighty? Eighty um, one? Yeah, not sure. I know. I know. Like back in those days. I remember people sort of saying, "Oh, the SC isn't the good one," and um, my boss um, owned one of the um, partners in the advertising agency that I worked for had one. Uh, and I thought that was kind of um, an amazing car as well. I really like the I never SC, that. but don't you, I really like the SC logo on the back. There's something really cool about the font and the, and how it looked in the black. And it was Well, the current, yeah, the 992, the, the um, logo type for the 911, I think is from, a, isn't that from an SC? Oh, is it? I think so. That ah. It looks that sort of squared off type. Right, so the 992 has SC inspiration in the logo. There's bits of it, yeah. And, and then it has the 70s inspiration. Interior. That's 70s yeah. inspiration in the interior, though, isn't it? It's not 80s. I'm not sure. Again, I'll probably get more. No, uh, I think, yeah, I think someone said it was harking to the 70s style a little bit. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's just With a the bit gauges. Of yeah, yeah, the flat. The, the type on the... The type on the uh, on the gauges and the green markings and some of that sort of stuff, I think. You know, I even though it's tech heavy, I, I really do mm. like um, I really do like the new nine nine two dash. I think they've done interior? a good. Yeah, the I think they've nice. done a great job of it. I think that you know, even the fact that they've just kept the analog dial, one analog dial, it still works when you see it. It still looks like the Porsche dash. You know, I, I think yeah. Porsche have really, you know, they've excelled themselves with that interior. It's a really nice interior. Oh, I just like some of the little touches, you know, the kind of panel that runs horizontally. That's sort of like one of the design features of the thing, which uh, of the um, of the car, you know, sort of having that kind of horizontal line that runs all, all the way across. Um, yeah. They've sort of reinforced that. You know, they put like wooden inserts, which can be a little bit naff, but I actually think it looks quite good. In, no, in, did in you? Too and stuff like that. Did you see the, I know you don't like watching him, but Magnus Walker had a 911 Carrera yeah. S. And he did a short mm. video of it on his channel. His videos, I don't know who does his editing, but he's really got to get someone better. But <laughs> he did a 911S and it was in, did we talk? Did I talk about this in the last episode? I can't remember. In Avent, Avent, mm. I can never say that word, Aventura, Aventura. Aventura and Green. And it had those, those, those seats with the checkerboard, the fabric type ones, yep. um, that seat, yep. which I think are the best. That's the best. I would get that insert. And it was a yep. manual. But it had the wood. It just had yep. that bit of touch of wood. Honestly, yep. Steve, it looked fantastic. It actually really, yeah. really worked. It has a bit of wood on the doors and it has a bit of wood on... I'm using my hands here to gesture, but Steve can see what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah. You know, the wood across the da bottom of the dash yep. there. Um, yep. And it looked really good. The only thing I didn't like was the console around the shifter, because it was a manual, yep. It, yep. is that it looks like that 
stuff that Merck use in the C-Class, which looks really nasty, that black, shiny, gloss, plastic finish. Like piano black Yeah, which I'm not a fan no. of. I, d- I thought if you picked wood, that would be wood as well, but it wasn't, unless that's another option you can pick. This car wasn't very highly optioned. It was quite standard. It had platinum, yeah. satin platinum wheels, the more spaced out rim, which I quite like on the S. Had black yeah. calipers, not red. Um, but the wood trim, it was, you know what it was? It was a combination of wood trim with those Sportex or whatever those seats are called with those seats, yep. with that checkerboard yep. seat, which yep. worked really, really well. It looked retro, but not too retro. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but um, there's, there's some kind of cues in the interior that I really like in the 992. Um, so I agree, yeah. All right. Um, so first 911 so yeah. was, the, was the Carrera of your uncle's. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so when you, you want to keep, you want to, should we go on? You want to? No, you go, you go, you go. So when go. we, um, so when you decided you wanted a 911, the car you were driving before you had your 911 was, uh, and I think we've mentioned this before, people will probably remember, but the S3, correct? Yeah. The Audi so S3. I'd, I'd done the usual kind of thing, like as a young guy, you know, like been through, uh, had an MX-5 WRX, um, S3 VR6. I never knew so you I had an of, MX5. I never knew that. That was my first car. Really? And I didn't know I, that. Yeah. I've been looking at them um, online because all I have are amazing memories of that first gen MX5. Again, my uncle had one. Did um, you have the green one? That special his, edition green one they did with the, the tan club, interior? Clubman. No, I had a white one. I used to always see that one in um, Wallara when I lived in Wallara in Sydney. I used to walk past it. It was parked on the street and I thought, man, that's so cool, that car. It's a great car. I'd actually like um, if I had a, a lazy. I've been looking. I've been following them online because um, we should say the I think listeners in the US, it's not MX Five. It's Miata. It's a Miata. Yeah. Um, so it's the NA Miata. Um, like awesome. Really, I'd I'd, I'd um, be more than happy to kind of um, sort of find one and um, sort of tootle around in that because the. It's just such a fun car. Anyway, so... Yeah, people say they're great. I, I, Even the new one gets quite well-reviewed, actually. Um, I've heard many yeah. well-known journalists quote about that it's a great drive for what it is, for the money, value for money, and the yeah. drive, and the lightweight, yeah. and the engine, and whatever. It all works really well together. So... So... The point to bring in that up... Sorry, the point to bring in that up was a little bit more just that um, we, we've sort of had slight chats about it, but I'm kind of curious to sort of see... Well, I sort of make this assumption that people kind of get to 911s after they've probably been in a few kind of performance type cars. Like, and, you know, like obviously when you're a young guy, um, back in those days, you know, you're probably kind of getting in a, into a VTEC Honda or, you know, like if, if you could afford um, a European kind of thing, then no doubt you'd probably would have tried a GTI like I was fortunate enough to kind of get into a VR6. Like... There's sort of like a bit of an ilk of uh, a performance car that's sort of a bit more uh, inexpensive, but eventually you kind of go, okay, it's time. Like I'm going to, you know, stop fooling around in, um, you know, all of these sort of hot hatches or um, these other sorts of cars. And at that point in time, I reckon I used to swap my car. And even for like, again, a, a sort of young, youngish person from, you know, 19 to about, 27 or thereabouts i reckon i changed car every year and a half 18 months (laughs) to two years which is like kind of pretty stupid for um 
pretty stupid for somebody that doesn't make lots of money, blah, 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 just to tip every, every cent that you've got into your car. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of got into my first 911 that um, I, the way I describe it is the itch went away. Like I just stopped hankering for, you know, even because I was consuming so many car magazines and um, just watching, you know, whatever I could, blah, blah, blah. Um, once you kind of get yourself into a 911, it, um, that kind of constant need to want to turn something over and to kind of get the newest, latest, fastest thing completely stopped. Yeah, um, true. So you just want but, more. You just want more nine elevens, though. You want you know yeah. more than one. That's the thing. You when you get one, you realize, oh, this is good, but I could get the other one as well. Yeah, my cousin, like actually, my cousin at the moment, he's a mad rev head. Like um, same side of the family, like my mum's side of the family. He loves his um, his Volkswagen, like his GTIs and stuff like that. Um, and I keep saying to him, it's like, man, you just got to get yourself into a nine eleven because you'll stop buying, you know, like car after car after car and once you kind of get the different sort of itch um you know you probably hang on to something for longer than two or three years but um, he bought one and sold it didn't he didn't he have a 997 different different cousin different um, cousin you're talking oh, about right. my uncle's son yeah. oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um so when you when you decided um the car before the 911 was the s3 which you bought brand new yep and then one morning you woke up and go okay, I'm going to start looking for a 911. Is that how it happened or you stumbled across um, it? And the one you bought, Steve, which you, you can tell everyone, yep. um, people yep. might remember, but the one you bought, was that the one yep. that you were looking for? So it was a lot, lot more impulsive than that. Not quite as impulsive as sounded like James's sort of story, but... Um, and Nick. Back, yeah, oh, yeah, true. Back in those days, you'd kind of sift through um, the car classifieds. So this was Sydney Morning Herald, I think. Um, saw an ad for it, and I think I rang my uncle and just sort of because he would have he would have still been in his oh no he would have kind of shifted from his um, his eighty six Carrera to his nine nine three. And I just sort of found this car in a shitty little kind of car dealership on Victoria Road in Dremoyne. Um, it was a 964 in white, but it only had, I think it was less than 40,000 K on it, which was pretty low Ks um, and, you know, reasonable price. So that was a, oh. that was a, what model year was it? That was a 90 model, right? It was a 1990 uh, Grand Prix white um, C4. Yeah, and that nineteen ninety six interior, and you bought that in around was that two thousand or was it sub two thousand? I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember now. I think um, it was around two thousand, wasn't it? Nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Might have been a little bit later than that. I was suspect. It? So it was at least Maybe. a ten year old car at the time, and it only had forty thousand k. So that made it quite appealing as a as a as a you know potential new car. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I can't even remember why, to be honest, I think it was just like, again, because, oh, okay, yeah, because, like, if you think of, at that time, like, I was just a serial kind of, you know, buy a car, drive it, enjoy it, um, mod, mod it a little bit or whatever else, and then sort of keep itching and looking at the next thing, um, so the 911 thing probably kind of came from my uncle's influence, so, like, I think I just kind of gave him a call, and then we went, we went just to, he, he, he would always egg me on. My uncle's terrible. Um, you know, whenever you sort of say, oh, what do you think of this? He'd kind of go, let's go drive it. Um, so we went, we went and went to the dealership, um, 
got them to value um, the S3, looked at the car, drove it around the block, and it was obviously amazing. Um, it was in pretty good nick. Um, and to be honest, the car dealer had no idea what the S3 was. Um, it was a pretty kind of uh, niche, rare car. Yeah, I'd had it for a couple of years. Actually, um, it must have been around 2002, 2003 when you bought the 964 because the S3 yeah. only came out in 2001 model year. 2000? 2000 yeah, or 2000 model year? 2001. Yeah, it was two, end of 2000 it came out, I think, and it was 2000. Because I, I bought that A3 as well, and that was after oh, you. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, I bought yeah. it new, that 1.8 turbo A3. So, yeah, I racked up about 50,000K on my S3 already as well. So, it, you know, it had been well driven. Anyway, I remember the car dealer had no idea what the S3 was, and he completely overvalued it on the on the changeover price. He didn't know what he was looking at. Um and, you know, we kind of just sort of said to him, well, you know, that thing was like 68 grand brand new, um, you know, with all the options on it, blah, blah, blah. So give me a good price. And I can't remember, but the changeover to get into the 964 wasn't that steep. It was, you know, um, look, again, for a young person, blah, blah, blah. At that time, it's still a lot of money. But the changeover to kind of get into my first 911 was, I think it was like less than 30 grand. Really? Did you did you have yeah. any hesitation though? And your uncle, having driven you know nine elevens before, did you have any hesitation? I think I asked Nick this question, James, when they bought theirs. Did you have any hesitation with the Carrera Four with the all wheel drive? No, no, because I I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't well read enough. I didn't know enough about it. I obviously had my uncle um, as a as a sort of advisor and everything, and we organised a PPI so the. Um, the head mechanic at um, Porsche Parramatta, like one of the main dealerships, kind of did the um, pre-purchase inspection. So right. it was all checked out and everything. So this is before you started um, using AutoHouse. Uh, you used AutoHouse, though, from yep. from then on you found AutoHouse. Because there's a couple of companies yep. in Sydney, right? There's PR Technology, which a lot of people go to, which was in the same area at the time. And then there was AutoHouse. Yep. Back in those days, it was actually only AutoHouse or Bob Wims were the two independents. Oh, was it? They were the two, yeah, they were the oh. two people that you had the choice of kind of using. So um, PR Technology came well, later, did it? Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I could be wrong, but because um, even back in those days, Autohouse weren't like weren't massive. They weren't. Um, they were very small, sort of right? Small, small operation. Yeah. 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 Um, so when you bought um, the nine six four, and you hmm. had it for a few months, did you then hmm. have any concerns about having a Carrera four and not a Carrera two? No, no, no. Because like, and the drive, yeah. you couldn't really it, feel it, right? Um. Yeah, you could, but again, I guess it's probably more that um, if you don't actually have a reference point, so if you don't have another car to kind of um, drive around in to kind of compare it to, like another 911, then you're never really going to know the difference. Um, I did always sort of feel that it was kind of a bit sort of nose-heavy and um, sort of understeery. It used to kind of plough a little bit, but I can't remember how long it took me, but I wound up putting um, Bilstein's in that car and it um, transformed this sort of handling. Um, but it's just a great car. Like, mm. But I guess like you back said... Back in those days too. Without a reference sorry, point. Again. Sorry, without a reference point. And then you bought your 993 and you realised the difference between a 2 and a 4, right? That's when, yes. it, when it clicked. Exactly. Yeah. So I think really fond memories of the car it sound that car sounded amazing the gear shift in that car is um brilliant as well um i've said it a few times but i always sort of thought that was one of the um uglier kind of 911s i 
basically I got into a 964 because it was there um, that I was driving to work every day at that point in time. So the car was my sort of daily commuter car. Um, uh, so again, my uncle sort of said, um, you know, you don't want to get in, in anything older than this because you won't really sort of be able to manage it that well um, in terms of maintenance and just sort of like, you know, driving and traffic and all of that sort of stuff. Um, yep. So but memories of that car are like, you know, you're the happiest guy in the world. Like when you're bloody like whatever I was, I was probably late 20s <laughs> and, you know, so spent you st- all my money on a, on a Porsche. But you still remember, and I asked this, I think I've asked this to both um, other Porsche stories, but you, you remember the first, when mm. you drove that out of the dealership? I mean, you remember the first, yeah. the first test drive basically sold you. You were done once you drove it. Yep. But when yep. you picked it up, was it better than what you remember on the test drive? Yes. Yeah. Because uh, I think at the time too, like if you've, I don't know how you felt about it when you kind of hopped into the 997. That nervous. was the first, that was nervous. the first. That, <laughs> nervous yeah, I was going to crash it. I was going to crash it on the way home. No, when I drove it on and the I way home, it. when I drove it on the yeah. way home, it was a cloudy kind of day. It looked like it was going to rain. I was nervous. I was going to like smash it or something. Yeah. So... <laughs> But, you know, you kind of get that feeling where you're sort of driving away and um, you kind of go, man, did I really just spend that amount of money on this? Yeah. Because, you know, like it's, you're kind of going, oh, well, that's a deposit on a house or whatever it is, even though you're buying a used one. But, True. Um, I mean, I, you, you, because you I don't. sort of check yourself kind of going, like, it's a shitload of money that you've just spent on the thing. But as you're thinking that at the same time, you're listening to it and, um, you're kind of hooning along. You're not driving it nearly as quickly as no. you can because it's you know brand new to you and all of that sort of stuff. You're still finding mm. your feet, but it's such a nice feeling. It's such a great experience. You, you can't. It's always yeah. almost hard to explain. Even just you know you just you just feel so elated. You just feel so happy, and you just feel like wow, what have I got? And for me, the money, yeah, the money side, as you know, I wasn't that. I mean, it was still a lot of money, and I paid you know of high course. high eighties. But I'd also bought an Audi A4 Avant S-Line before that, which cost me about the same price. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, when yep. I sold it, I got, you know, I won't even say what I got, but it was, you know, less than, a, yep. less than buying a Tudor watch. Um, yep. You know what I mean? So I knew that was not a good investment. And I knew from you and, and from reading that, you know, the Porsche was, it might lose a bit, but eventually it's going to appreciate and I'm going to get, you know, myself what I purchased it for back I mean it's not like I was worried so much I mean sure it's it's still scary when you take that much money out of the bank and you've got to pay for it um, mm. and Australia's more expensive than other countries obviously for 997s yep. but it's worth it as soon as you get in the car as soon as you pick it up from the dealer Steve you know like you said you sit in it and even though you're going slow back home or wherever it was and the dealer as you know is close to where we live and it was like mm. you know it's just there's just no explaining it there's, There's no nothing explaining. like it to after, like, I'm not sort of saying that I'm the most experienced person in the world with kind of other marks and everything, but um, I think when you're just into kind of like um, sort of more performance-oriented cars, even though something like back in those days, a WRX was kind of stupidly quick, um, uh, the Audi was sort of very, a little bit more kind of luxurious. That was sort of just at the time where Audis became a little bit more kind of popular and mainstream yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so, just something about the um, 911 at the so time, the bug, which is just very different. Yeah, and the bug was so great, you bought another one. Um, so let's just yeah, touch on the other. Sim- I mean, everyone knows about the 997 GT3, but the next one was the... Uh, which one? 993. So 
It was a 95, 95 um, Carrera, just a, the two-wheel drive, like the, the base two-wheel drive version. It was sitting in uh, the used lot at um, what was Scuds, um, Scuderia um, in Willoughby, which is now Porsche Willoughby. Um, and that was, again, my uncle um, who... This time he saw the ad and then I think he buzzed me and sort of said, hey, there's a 993 manual um, at Scuds. Let's go and have a look at it. Um, and that he was, knew full well what he was doing. Mm, that was more expensive though at the time. That was a bigger purchase for you. Similar. I can't remember what the changeover price was, but see, like back in those days, I was always just like basically sinking every penny that I could save or whatever else back into the car so I'd be on this kind of constant thing where you'd kind of go okay I buy a car for 50 in a couple of years time it might be 30 so I'll take that 30 and then if I only have to kind of top it up with another you know 30 and keep adding on to like basically like whatever money was in the car I just basically keep doing that over and over again so that was the mindset from getting to the S3 into the 964 then getting in from the 964 to the 993, I was just constantly just thinking about the changeover price, what it would, what it would cost me to get into the better, <laughs> to the better car, basically. Um, so I remember that was um, Anthony Raymond, who now works at um, at um, Auto House, uh, was the dealer at um, Scuds at the time. Oh, really? So he, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very funny how you kind of um, paths cross again. And he looked after my uncle with a car at some point in time. He's the guy that was based in Bahrain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely guy. Very, yeah, yeah, it was. I haven't met him. um, I haven't met him. He's uh, super knowledgeable about all things Porsches because basically he's worked in dealerships, like I think, for most of his career. Um, And I I believe he's really handy behind the wheel as well. All Um, right. So then the jump. Let's. Uh, I want to get onto the drive thing because we're we're getting close to an hour now. But I, um, oh, sorry, no, no. So then the jump, the jump from the nine six four to the nine nine three wasn't wasn't a huge amount of cash. But then the jump from the nine nine three to the next car, which was the nine nine seven GT three, that was a lot more, yep. right? Yeah, it's probably like twice what I usually would do. So I'd normally kind of go, ah, oh, like you know, if I can, if I can aim for about um, to have to kind of chip another thirty gram. 30, and we're talking Australian dollars, back into the car to kind of get into something nicer and that sort of felt like a, just a thing that I kind of did in my um, car buying history. But the 993, basically, I'd owned it for 12 years. Um, I knew it was kind of still worth, like, good money because at this point in time, 993s were the thing. They really were, you know, sort of like one of the kind of revered um, Porsches at the time. So... Um, I can't remember the absolute reason why. I think I was just kind of getting maybe a tiny bit bored or um, a little bit of a more of an itch. Um, but when but, you um, when you started to look for nine nine seven GT threes, I remember when you were looking, yeah. and I think you came across yeah. a red one and a black one, didn't you? Was that right, or was it a red one? I remember you came across first one. GT3 and, blue. Hmm? First GT three I drove was a black one, um, and you missed out on one, right? So you, 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 it was they were selling quite quickly when they were being listed. Was they that really quickly? Yeah, and that was when yeah, they were yeah, sitting yeah. around what one fifty Australian round about. Um, yeah, I think sort of like it ranged from about one forty to about one sixty, depending on spec and mileage and stuff like that. Um, there really weren't that many kind of there. Um, and tell the listeners currently what they're 
they're listed at now, six years later? I reckon they're close to... There's a bit of a debate, I think, when you read stuff online, but I reckon they sort of go from about 190 to a little bit over 200. I, I, I'm mm. curious as to know whether or not they really do fetch money over 200. But, I would have um, said 220. You know, people ask it. I would have said 220 yeah. to 270. That's where I would have sat. So they've yeah. gone up. Yep, go on. But, you know, to be honest, um, if I hung on to that old 993, um, that also probably went up um, similar sort of money. Um, but, you know, it was a good time to kind of get in. So the first GT3 you test drove was the, the black one, the red one? Black one. Black one? Black one. What did you think as soon as you got into it? That was the very first GT3 you ever driven? Yep. What did you first think? First GT3 I ever sat in, driven, whatever. I was by myself. Like, was it at club this point sport? In time. No, it wasn't. wasn't club sport. Okay. It had standard seats. Um, there was a cool dealer that... Um, down south somewhere um who what happened oh i rolled up in my 993 i hadn't sold it yet i rolled up in my 993 and i sort of explained to him that you know i was kind of thinking about it blah blah blah. kind of got him to eye up my 993 as a trade-in again and you know i guess to be fair like if somebody's going to let you drive their gt3 they kind of need to know that you're at least semi-serious my 993 was in really good nick you know he could tell that i was an enthusiast so um, he eyed that up, and I went for the went for a test drive in the black, um, the black GT3, and it's like, oh man, <laughs> once you drive it, that's sort of why, I'm, to be perfectly honest, why I keep egging you on to kind of keep uh, to to get in yeah. one because um, no turning back. As soon back. as you drive it, yeah, you just can't stop thinking about it. Um, that um, I do remember it being not easy to drive, um, like the clutch is much much heavier compared to sort of like a you know a sort of more um choice a bit of uh, yeah like a more standard kind of 911 um but this one this one had the comfort they called comfort sports seats aren't they or sports seats or whatever comfort they are seats. so it didn't yeah. have the lightweight yeah, yeah. buckets and it didn't have a roll cage obviously because it wasn't club sport um nope. so really quite it must have been quite a different experience when you eventually did you test drive a one that was a club sport package or you only Nope, had that never did. you didn't no so this was I, so was, i hmm. so i had in my mind that uh, like maybe maybe if i was ever going to sell the 993 i think the only car that i um sort of really want to go for is a gt3 i went and test drove this black one um i couldn't sleep after i kind of test drove it uh, so then i sold my 993 in anticipation for the fact that um that I knew that I'd have to kind of be ready um, because uh, GT3s were so rare that I'd have to kind of have all my ducks in a row, like as opposed to kind of going, well, hopefully one will kind of pop up in a dealership, so therefore I can trade my 993 in. I also knew I had to kind of maximise my money, so selling the 993 separately um, and trying to get the best best value out of that rather than trading it and then hanging on to the money. So I was kind of portionless for... A few months um and i was just then basically kind of scouring scouring the classifieds waiting for 997 gt3s to pop up and then the one you found was in victoria so you hadn't actually driven a club sport come back to that you haven't driven it then you bought the one in victoria and got delivered how did it feel based on that that first one that you drove that wasn't a club sport 
can't really remember. I just, I mean, I obviously remember the fact that it was just like a, an amazing kind of machine and, um, you know, like I was right to do it. I mean, I did, just like you sort of said before, I shat myself because I'd just gone and bought myself a $150,000 car. Um, and actually, at the time, I had, I think I've said this before on your podcast, I actually got retrenched. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the time that I actually well, um, physically, the car... Yeah, the the car got shipped up from Melbourne. Um, the advertising agency I was working for basically went under. I lost my job, so I had no job, and I just picked up this new GT3 or new to me GT3. I I, um, I have to say my my you know being a passenger in that car for the first time. I remember when you took me for a drive in it before you'd done anything mm. to it. It was literally you just picked it mm. up, and we went around mm. to Nielsen's Park there, and I think we stopped at Nielsen's Park in Vaucluse in Sydney. And we went up through mm. there, and I thought it was the, fuck, the absolute best car in the world. Like, it just felt amazing. And then we got out, and we were looking at it. I've got a photo, actually. I took a photo of it when we walked out. And every time oh, I right. see that photo, I think, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't even my car, but it was like, wow, what a, what a car. You know what I mean? And it felt yeah. like a lot of money. It felt like I can't believe Steve spent yeah. that much money on a car. I know. Like, that's I, so, I felt like that, too. And, you know, that was so much money. It's like, wow, 150-odd grand. Because I don't think... Well, at that point, I'd never spent like more than a hundred on a car. Yeah, that was um, the most, right? Yeah. I was always sort of like, um, always kind of hankering for like performance cars, but I was always quite frugal about, you know, like trying to be kind of relatively smart about it. Um, I did kind of know that getting into a GT3 um, because um, at that point in time, the market was obviously kind of doing well. So I, I knew that, you know, like that like what I sort of said before, that it wasn't going to all of a sudden, you know, that I'd pay 150 and then one day it would only be worth 20. I always knew that it would hold its value quite well. Yeah, true, true. Because there was only... To be honest... How many are in Australia, those people know? There's, I remember you sent me that list through. There was not many, right? A couple of hundred, isn't it? No, there's not many. There's only a couple of hundred. I, I think that list... I mean, Steve I found this list and it's got 997.1 GT3s and 997.2 GT3s and it tells you what colours were sold in Australia and how many in total. It's actually quite interesting because it's, it it's quite rare. So so Gen Gen 1s, like mine, there's 111 GT3s, there's 31 GT3 RSs, which means that there's a total of 142. Yeah, so, you know, you're, when you think about it, the money you're spending for a car that's one of 111, and of that, Steve, how many mm. white? I think white was popular colour in, uh, in that car. White is the most, yeah, because it was the launch colour. Carrara white was 55. So 55. So basically, you, you're buying a car, and you think about the money. I keep coming back to the money, the value for money. It's it's one of 110. There's 55 white ones. You know, some of the colours mm. is only like two. Um, it, yeah. It's rare. It is very, very rare. And you know, I, I keep worrying, and I, I I've said this to you many times that that I think I've missed the boat on the 997. That the price, and this is why people are asking. A couple of people are asking in high 200s for it now in Australia. Um, you know, but. You can see why. I don't think you missed the boat. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think that you missed the boat because, um, like, I obviously just kind of keep following it as you do. Um, I, I've said it before. Like, there's always, like, a couple on the market um, and I can't see that sort of necessarily changing, particularly, um, I don't know, I think probably true enthusiasts probably will kind of constantly appreciate it. Everyone knows that they're sort of going up in value and stuff like that, but... It's probably still not the car for everyone. No, true. You have to probably admit that. And I reckon that's probably the reason why there's a lot of cars that, you know, might have six owners and people kind of go, oh, shit, like, is there something wrong with it if it's had six owners? Sorry, Steve, does that list tell you how many club sport versions? 
No, it doesn't break it down. It doesn't into, break it down because um, that'd be interesting too. No. Did you see? Because that silver yeah. club sport is still for sale on car sales in Australia for two hundred and thirty thousand, which I think is a great one. It's very low kilometres with yeah, the lightweight yeah, yeah. buckets and everything. There's and I noticed order house twelve of, Arctic silvers. Really? Yeah. So that's Arctic yeah. silver. So that's quite rare. And I noticed that Auto House just listed a nine nine six GT three in black for one hundred and sixty five thousand, mm. which doesn't look too bad either. I saw that on the website. Last night, yeah, that'd, that'd be a great car as well. Yeah, so this is um, Gen One. It's a two thousand uh, nine nine six GT three, but it's got high kilometers. I think it's got about eighty thousand, eighty five, ninety thousand kilometers on it. Yeah, that's not that high. I mean, it's high maybe compared to some, but um, yeah, like even my mine mine's ticked over eighty one. Um, but but well you've, worth yeah, it. but you've driven it. You've driven it well. Speaking about that, mm. um, before we go, because we're, we're we're coming to the end of the podcast today, um. Hmm. Roads. Let's just talk about roads because you have driven a lot, and I know some of those miles were when you were sort of using it as a daily. Um, hmm. But when was the first drive when you jumped in the GT3 and you realised how special it was? When you could actually take it a little bit, not to its limit, but you could actually like really ring it out. Do you remember the road you were on? Oh no, I can't. I would have. I would have for sure. I would have gone. Um, up the old Pacific Highway, um, which um, anyone that is a enthusiast in Sydney um, sort of basically does. It's a bit of a ritual. Um, but, like, I've now kind of come to like the drive down south more than um, the old Pacific Highway, to be honest. Yeah, um, I agree because it's longer, isn't it? And we're talking about the road through the National Park where you go south of Sydney and you go to the famous bridge that we've talked about before. Yeah, um, but, like... <clears throat> The GT3, I think it's just um, the the biggest difference between that and either of the other, the previous 911s, um, it's the sound is different. Like the old air-cooled um, engines actually kind of sound, they're actually kind of more characterful. Like you really have to rev a GT3 out to kind of, um, kind of get the full sort of um, audio experience. But I think... The step up in terms of the handling and the grip, um, it's possibly partly because it's on, um, you know, semi-slicks or yeah. whatever they're called. Like um, uh, my car came with P0 courses when I when I took delivery of it um, and then I've put um, Cup 2s on it. Yeah, which is sticky. But um, you noticed it. I could tell you noticed it when you drove it. Like, yeah. Um, even the difference between your car and my car, like if, oh, if I'm chasing you or you're chasing me, yeah, it's, yeah, it's planted. It's it very sticks. Planted. Like you don't have to brake for the corners. No, um, you so brake a lot. You, break, you, really you can see that you can brake later. I mean, I was being very cautious that day, um, but you could. I could actually feel it that I, hey, I can brake a little bit later here. I don't have to brake so soon. Yeah. Did you think that? Um, I mean, I mean, even though you're sort of going faster, but it felt more planted. But you haven't really reached the limit on it, have you? On the roads, you can't. No, really. I don't reckon I have. And you haven't ever had a situ. Have you ever had a situation where you've lost grip? No, not even close. I'm sure I've never, never ever been close to the limits of that car. And like, so compare that, for example, like when I was a lot younger and more reckless in the WRX, and I seriously would kind of cane that car's. Uh, because that was four-wheel drive and you just kind of drive like an absolute maniac um, around yep. corners because the thing was so sticky. Kane, um, Kane GT3, means drive like an idiot, right, <laughs> to Americans who may not know that term. Oh, sorry, yes. Um, <laughs> but the GT3 in corners is like that um, where it is just so sticky. Um, so I've got no idea like when you kind of see 
people that really do know how to drive the thing and they're actually kind of sliding it and oversteering around a corner like you must be going so insanely quickly yeah um, yeah I, I know you can kind of prompt it but um so yeah um all right so it's a very different sort of experience like it's so much more there's so much more performance in it yeah so let's so roads what road i mean favorite roads um, or what is the road that you'd like to take the GT3 on that you haven't taken on already? I know you've been I through Tasmania. Tassie. Yeah, I was going to say you've been through Tasmania before in a normal car. Yeah, I'd love to take it down to Tassie. I reckon that would be a good thing one day when you guys are back in Sydney um, to k- kind of do a nice little road trip around Tasmania. I've done um, uh, around Cradle Mountain. We went north of Cradle Mountain, and the roads there were amazing. Yeah, I, I have reckon to... probably. Mm. Anywhere in Tassie would be um, um, really good in the GT3. Yeah, I have to admit I wouldn't mind doing Tasmania as well. I think you'd have to give yourself, oh. what, at least four days, right, in Tasmania? Five days? Yeah, 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 about that, about that. Um, I've done drives up, I've driven to Melbourne, um, which, like, if you kind of go not the freeway, that's quite a nice With drive. With the GT3? I don't think I've done it in the GT3. I did in the 1M. Oh, the um, 1M. I really enjoyed that. Did you... Um, um, yeah, I listened. I listened to the old podcast, and this is the reason why I asked you this by message the other day, and I didn't explain it properly yesterday. Mm. I listened to the, mm. I'm, like I said, I'm catching up on a few Spike episodes because I didn't listen to them in London. I listened to them when I run here. Um, sure. And he was he'd just driven the one M for the first time, Zuckerman's one M. Um, oh yeah, and he was raving that. how great it was, and yeah, and I didn't yeah. realize Zuckerman's one is actually um, chipped slightly. It's actually been modded out a little bit. Yeah, mine was as well. You, you had the chip, chip as well? Yep, yep. It's a great car um, and their prices, I just, yeah, I, and as yeah. we discussed, I looked on car sales in Australia and the 1Ms were like 60-odd and now they're back up to 80-odd. Yeah, I miss that car. Missed I the really boat. miss that car. Should have kept it. Um, yeah. But you wouldn't be married but, if um, you did. Uh, so. Actually, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to my lovely wife, if she can hear me. Um the road down um, towards Kuma, like down through Kosciuszko, that's pretty cool. Oh, ah, right. You mentioned that before, that in... didn't you, that we should do that drive? I remember you, yeah. a while back. But I've driven to Kuma. Hours. I've driven to the Snowy Mountains before Kuma, but I can't remember it. I just can't remember it. They're amazing. It's such a nice place to come Yeah. Here. You're making me, you know, homesick. I'm already homesick and, you know, yeah, depressed sorry, about mate. it, but... I really want to do these drives. I was saying to Tasha that, you know, like um, when we go back to Australia, I want to do, I want to put some heavy miles on the car. I want to do like Mm. a couple of really long drives, even if it's down to Melbourne or it's, you know, up north or it's inland. I don't know about inland so far much because the roads, you know, a lot of stone chips and whatever, but. No, go to Mudgee. Mudgee, we did the trip. um, I've done that a couple of times in different cars. I can't remember. Um, I don't think I've done it in the GT3, but. Driving to Mudgee, Mudgee's a really nice place to kind of... There's um, good places to stay and eat and all of that sort of stuff, mm, but mm. it's a great drive. Yeah. Um, I suggested it to you guys before, and then just drive your way around, like, to Orange and all of that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've been... It's, I, it's I awesome. did that when we, we had to do a shoot on a farm a few years back before, an expo that was on, and we... But oh, we were in the right. Honda Odyssey, and we went out... Yep. We were actually out <laughs> between Warren and um, those places, and we went back through Orange and... and Orange on yep. the way, which is where I used to live when I was a kid, just near Orange. Um, that's yep. where I was. That was that small town I was telling you about. Two thousand people was just thirty minutes from Orange. So, 
Yep. It's kind of yep. weird. We actually went through the town when we were going on that road. It was very, very weird. Um, yeah, right. But I think that was good, Steve. I think we covered... Sorry, no, I think rambled. we... No, it's a good story. And I think we covered a lot of things that we haven't actually told the, the listeners about before, tell, told the people that listen to the podcast before. And I think... Um, you know, I think you've got a great story. And like I said, you know, you've owned two generations of air-cooled. You now own a water-cooled and you own the pinnacle of the water-cooled, in my mind, the GT, GT3. Mm. I can't guess what's going to be next. Like, I still think you're going to end up getting another 911. I think you'll keep the GT3 and I think you'll buy something else. I think it's going to happen eventually. I, I can't imagine ever getting out of it. Um, but, you know, like there's obviously other things in life that kind of happen and come along. Um, I, I don't... You know, I'd still think it's a car for life kind of thing. So, but um, that, but that nine nine one point two Miami blue one that's for sale near you, I looked at it again last mm. night in the manual. I didn't realize it had leather as well. It's got leather dashboard and everything. That's uh, that's that is a nice car. That is a nice car. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as we um, spoke, I still so think you could live with the Miami blue more than you could with the green. Yeah, but having said that, I, I was laughing at myself because I kind of realised that um, my 993 was Aventura green, and that actually is green. It's kind of more like a grey green, so it's not quite, you know, it's a bit more neutral. But um, so even though I was sort of, I, it's, it's not that I don't like green cars, I was just sort of curious that, um, that it was so fashionable at the moment more than anything. Yeah, it doesn't look like the oak green though. And normally they come with tan interior, and yours has the black, had the black interior 993, so it kind yeah. of toned it down, didn't it? But Aventura is a great colour. I'm really glad they brought it back for the 992. Um, it was very, really interesting, sort of um, catches the light differently, etc. Yeah, it's a different... Obviously, they've changed the colour which Porsche do over the years, even though they called it the same. Mm. It does look slightly different. I haven't seen one in real life. I've only seen photos and videos. But I think if I oh, bought okay. a 992... I would buy either that yep. green, Aventura and green, or I would buy GT Silver. Yep. I know it's boring silver, but I still like silver 911s. No, GT Silver's cool. So it yeah. would either be GT Silver uh, or the green. And I would get those yep. seats, the club sport seats. Like I said, I would get those seats. I'm even tempted yep. to get wood interior if I, if I, if I was to buy one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't know if that's old man Jaguar. So I think Nick said it was a bit Jaguar. But... It does actually yeah. look good no, with that. That was me as well, I think. Yeah, it looks good with those seats, but I probably wouldn't. I'd probably get the matte carbon. Mm. All right. Thanks, Steve. I think that was good. No worries. Cool. Man, we've, um, we, no some days we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to chat about, don't we? We've, we've gone on for an hour and 20. I hope everyone's still there and listening and enjoying this podcast. Sorry. No, don't, 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 don't apologize. I think it's good. It's a good story. Like I said, you've got a, you've got a great story. And also, everyone knows that you, also your wife has a Macan Turbo. White Macan Turbo, which <laughs> Steve sent me. A, I just want to say this. Steve sent me an image that, that his wife, uh, Cindy, had taken uh, when she was out at lunch outside of Sydney. And there was a, oh, that's right. there was a what's the word, abundance of, of supercars, whether they be Cayman GT4, GT3 RS, uh, for a 458 Speciali, all in the car park where she was parking. And there's one photo where yeah. there's, a, I think it's the one with the Cayman, uh, the GT4 next to the cars. GT4, wasn't it? And you can see the yep. rear of the turbo. And I have to say that the, the Macan turbo, it, it holds its ground when you see that rear view. It, it's a pretty, you know, it's a still a pretty, it's a nice it's, car. Yeah, it it's really quite a nice, nice looking car. car. Especially in the yeah, turbo, yeah. you know, like when you get it, when it's specced out like that, it, it looks pretty special. You can't complain. It'd be pretty, be a very spoilt man if I was complaining about it. Yeah. 
notes. It, it, I just thought in that photo, you know the photo I'm talking about, it actually looked pretty cool, yes, that, that yeah. half side and you see it and it's like, man, it still looks really cool. Still better than when, you were, when you were thinking about buying a Volvo or something and I said, don't buy a Volvo. <laughs> Remember? I asked, um, I asked Cindy if she deliberately parked it up there and she sort of said, yeah, didn't mean to, but it just sort of fits. So. No, it held, it held the ground. Not a sports car, but it still held the ground. All right, Steve, thanks for sharing your story again cool. today. I think everyone's going to enjoy no this one. I think we're going to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of downloads in this one. I think people are going to enjoy that story. It's a good one. So thanks for sharing cool. that. No props, anytime. So I just want to come back uh, to the podcast. Like I said, we don't have sponsors on this podcast. We just have Patreon. So if you go to Porsche Cool, just search Porsche Cool to Patreon. Uh, if you want to join there, that will help us. Um, also, the other thing that really helps us and may attract our sponsors like Porsche or whoever else might want to come and do an ad on our show is to give us a is to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. I know Apple Podcasts is a bit of a pain in the ass to do for reviews. If you don't have the time to review or log in, I think you can just give a rating. So just give a rating. That would be great. Um, all this basically helps. It helps us to be seen. It helps us appear in search results. It helps us to get up in the Apple charts, which attracts more viewers and attracts more interest in our podcast. Um, and that's what we want to do. We want to keep it going for, um, for a long time. Um, but thanks for all the support. Thanks again, Steve. No worries. We'll Take see care. you have next week. week. I'll see you next week. No one else will. I can see you now, but we'll talk next week. Cool. Have, have you been enjoying Porsche Gould stories, by the way? Did you enjoy Nick, Nick's been. one? Yeah, I did. And um, James's as well. It was kind of interesting to hear some of the little um, insights in that. So keep it up, mate. Cool, cool. I'm trying to think of other people for you to um, to talk to as well. But um, hopefully yeah. you get some listeners that are kind of interested in uh, joining in. There is a few listeners. And I also have a couple of other people, which I'll tell you about off, off recording, that I yeah, might cool. ask. Uh, one guy in the US who I might ask for the next one. But there are a couple of people, a guy from Patreon who sponsors us on Patreon, member on Patreon, um, and a few other people have approached me, so I will do those. I just need to have a bit of a clear head. So I think this Tuesday coming up for the for the Porsche Good Stories, we might not have one this Tuesday. Like I said, it's not going to be every month. Maybe we do two a month, Steve. We, you know, I just stagnate them. Yeah, sure. If I record them and there's one available, we'll put it up. But in general, it's going to be just for the listeners. It, it's probably like... It'd be, it'd be two a month, I think, but at, at the moment, uh, there won't be one next week. There won't be one next Tuesday because I just don't have the time to do it this week. Yeah, so here you go. It's a lot of work, mate. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is a Porsche School podcast. You were listening to Steve's story. Uh, Steve is in Sydney. I'm in Bahrain. Um, my name is Michael Bath. So thank you for listening and bye for now. Bye.